Welcome to my world. Uh, this is my second term, and this is how I'm beginning my second term, which is actually better than the first term, which began with an insurrection. So I guess we're making progress. Yeah. It's all going very well. Better and better all the time. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains, KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Bird and Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-round swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast and another, well, sort of an anniversary episode of sorts. Not necessarily a happy one today, but... An gla- inescapable one nonetheless. Indeed. Glad you can join us for it. For it. Hello, Desi Doyen. Hi. How you doing? Ah, doing okay. <laughs> okay, that good, huh? <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's a lot happening all at once. Uh, just for a change. Uh, anyway, at the top of the show there... Uh, That opening quote you heard, that was second-term New York's second-term Democratic congressman. Uh, Well, actually, second-term if Republicans ever choose a Speaker of the House so that he can actually be sworn in for a second term, Jamal Bowman. Uh, He was noting the insurrection that he was welcomed to uh, Congress with two years ago at the start of his first term and the madness of the past week when the 118th Congress has not yet even been able to begin thanks to the GOP chaos surrounding their inability to select a House Speaker amongst themselves. Here's a bit more of Jamal Jamal Bowman's remarks tying the January 6, 2021 insurrection with what has been going on at the U.S. Capitol over the past week, two years later on uh, on Thursday night via MSNBC. Welcome to my world. Uh, This is my second term and this is how I'm beginning my second term, which is actually better than the first term, which began with an insurrection. So I guess we're making progress. It's it's. It's it's chaos. Uh, It's dysfunction. 
Uh, quite honestly, it's a clown show. And this is something we warned the American people about going into the general election. They don't care about governing. They don't care about leadership. They're not accepting of our country evolving into the multiracial, multicultural democracy that we are. The Republican Party has become the party of lies, of Trump, um, of QAnon, of MAGA, and of white supremacy. And let me not say become, it's just becoming more public that this is who they are. And they're being hijacked right now by the Freedom Caucus, which wants a traditional quote unquote, nativist approach to governing, which is white patriarchal hegemonic supremacy with women and LGBTQ people and people of color and everyone under their thumb with the continuation of the economic inequality that we see. So this is who they are. Um, and we have to accept them for who they are. We have to make sure we vote their butts out of office <laughs> in 2024. I like that guy, Jamal Bowman. I do, too. Uh, Democratic Congressman Sean Kasten of Illinois somewhat echoed Bowman in a tweet, but with a third reminder of his time in Congress. He wrote, quote, first term started with a GOP-led government shutdown. That was back in 2018 when the federal government was shut down from midnight on December 22 until January 25 of 2019. That's 35 days, the longest U.S. government shutdown in history. And it would be the second and final federal government shutdown during the presidency of Donald Trump. That's how Sean Kasten came to office back in 2018. Second term, Kasten tweeted, started with a deadly insurrection cited by the former Republican president. And my third term has yet to begin due to the House Republican failure to elect a speaker. Notice a pattern, he asked. Yeah, I think we do. Relying on the time-honored maxim that the 12th time is the charm, <laughs> Republicans were back at pretend work at the crack of noon in the U.S. House on Friday in Washington, D.C., failing for the dozenth time and then the 13th time to select a House speaker, breaking uh, a record uh, for the first time in 134 years that they have been unable to select a speaker through 13 ballots. Though they did make noteworthy progress on Friday, the 12th round was, in fact, a charm, at least uh, a little bit, as far as Republican House leader Kevin McCarthy for the first time actually receiving more votes than Democratic House leader Hakeem Jeffries. Some 15 of the anti-Kevin holdouts after hours of negotiations uh, Thursday night into Friday morning in which McCarthy gave away just about everything there is to give away. Some 15 of them uh, flipped their votes from alternate candidates to Kevin McCarthy on the 12th and 13th round of voting, giving him 214 votes, defeating the 212 total unified votes from Democrats in support of Hakeem Jeffries in every single round before Friday's 12th and 13th failed votes. Still... 214 for McCarthy does not comprise a majority of those voting on Friday with, I believe, uh, six Republican holdouts 
continuing to do so as of Friday afternoon. We'll see if McCarthy manages to flip any more of those so-called Never Kevins over the weekend. Depending on how many are there to vote, I think that he only needs to flip two more at, uh, at after Friday, uh, which in any event, if he succeeds, as I suspect he is getting close, I suspect he eventually will, unless the Never Kevins really are Never Kevins, we will see. But in any event, if he succeeds in this thing, he will almost certainly be the weakest Speaker of the House in U.S. history, especially since any member at any time, due to his uh, agreement with these folks, any member at any time can call for a snap vote to replace the Speaker of the House. And all of that on another somber day in D.C., or at least one that should be, the second anniversary of the January 6, 21. 2021, uh, Donald Trump incited insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. The Philadelphia Inquirer's Will Bunch, in his latest column, ties those two dates, January 6, 2021 and January 6, 2023, together. And he will be here shortly to discuss that. Uh, as he was with us on January 6, 2021, as the insurrection and attack on the U.S. Capitol was still playing out, he was on again on this program last year on the first anniversary and he is again with us today to mark the second year without real accountability for the ringleaders of that failed but nonetheless deadly coup on friday morning democratic lawmakers held a memorial on the steps of the u.s capitol to honor the lives of those lost on or in the wake of the insurrection, including the deaths of five officers on Capitol Hill, whose families were honored on Friday. If there were any Republicans at the gathering, I did not notice them in the C-SPAN's uh, coverage. It was led by Hakeem Jeffries and uh, former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, but I did not see any Republicans on those House steps. Maybe I missed them. And why would they, though? Because, you know, they don't like to acknowledge the fact that uh, hundreds of police officers were attacked and injured in the Capitol riot and the insurrection. Even though they like to claim that they uh, back the blue, they're <laughs> all in favor of law enforcement officers, right? Yeah. Later on Friday, as the GOP's insurrection against itself continued to play out in the U.S. House, a ceremony was held in the White House by President Joe Biden to mark the second anniversary of January 6 and to award 14 individuals with the Presidential Citizens Medal for their work protecting the U.S. Capitol during the January 6 insurrection and for overseeing the 2020 election process despite efforts by the previous president and his supporters to try and steal the election from the American people through false claims of fraud. And then, yes, that violent attack at the U.S. Capitol, among other failed efforts to steal the election. The medal recipients were both public safety officers who were on duty during the riot, as well as state and local election officials from around the country. Among those honored were three law enforcement officers, Brian Sicknick, Howard Liebengood, and Jeffrey Smith, who died on or shortly after January 6th. Five other officers, Harry Dunn, Carolyn Edwards, 
Aquilino Gunnell, Eugene Goodman, and Michael Fanone uh, were among the more than 140 officers who sustained serious and or critical injuries defending the Capitol that day. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, who received death threats and armed protests outside her house after the 2020 election, was also honored. Former Republican Arizona State House Speaker Rusty Bowers, who testified to the January 6th committee about the pressure that he received from Donald Trump and his aides to recall the legitimately chosen electors in Arizona for president. Election workers Shay Moss and her mother Ruby Freeman were honored as well. They were repeatedly targeted by name by Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani facing the uh, just appalling threat of violence from Trump supporters before eventually they both offered uh, testimony and public testimony to the January 6th committee in the U.S. House. And also honored was Al Schmidt, a Republican Philadelphia city commissioner and election official who also received death threats and online harassment thanks to uh, targeting from Donald Trump. As we reported on our previous broadcast, Schmidt was actually just uh, named by Pennsylvania's Democratic governor-elect Josh Shapiro to serve as the state's new chief election official as uh, secretary of the Commonwealth. I've heard from uh, some election officials in Pennsylvania who uh, tell me they uh, find Al Schmidt to be a very good guy. Oh, good. So good news there. I I need to get to my guest uh, momentarily, so I don't have time to share uh, President Biden's entire speech on this and, and his own moving descriptions of what these awardees were faced with. I will link to a video of Biden's full speech when I post today's show. So you can do yourself the favor of hearing his moving tributes to those folks who I just uh, rattled through. He's really, really good at that sort of thing. But I did want to play a bit of his remarks at the White House on Friday, marking another anniversary of January 6th and awarding the high honor of the Presidential Citizens Medal to these 14 Americans. On January the 6th, our democracy was attacked. There's no other way of saying it. The U.S. Capitol was breached, which had never happened before in the history of the United States of America, even during the Civil War. A violent mob of insurrectionists assaulted law enforcement, vandalized sacred halls, hunted down elected officials, all for the purpose to attempt to overthrow the will of the people and usurp the peaceful transfer of power. All of it, all of it, was fueled by lies about the 2020 election. But on this day, two years ago, our democracy held, because we, the people, as the Constitution refers to us, we, the people, did not flinch. We, the people, endured. We, the people, prevailed. On this day of remembrance, joined by the Vice President, the Second Gentleman, and all of you, we honor a remarkable group of Americans who embodied the best before, during, and after January the 6th, 2021. For the first time in my presidency, I'm bestowing the Presidential Citizens Medal, one of our nation's highest civilian honors. 
and recognizes, quote, citizens of the United States of America who have performed exemplary deeds of service for their country or their fellow citizens, end of quote. In a few moments, in a few moments, the full citation of their exemplary deeds will be read by a military aide. But this is who these people, these extraordinary Americans are. Heroic law enforcement officers. As Congressman Benny Thompson said, a man of immense character and honor himself eloquently said about these officers, he said, quote, you held the line that day, and what was on the line was our democracy, and history will remember your names. And history will remember your names. They'll remember your courage. They'll remember your bravery. They'll remember your extraordinary commitments to your fellow Americans. It's not hyperbole. That's a fact. That's a fact. And folks, history also going to remember your instincts to respond, to do something, as you did. And as we all watched, this is the irony of it all. All America watched it. Watched it on television and saw it repeated and repeated. In the past months, we've heard you testify to the nation about what happened that day. What you were thinking of at the time was happening. What you're thinking now. The threats, the violence, the savageness of what happened, the trauma, all real. And it's not exaggeration to say America owes you, owes you all, I really mean this, a debt, a debt of gratitude, one we can never fully repay unless we live up to what you did, live up to what you did. And what you did was truly consequential. Not a joke. If I can halt for a second and just say to you, the impact what happened had international repercussions beyond what I think any of you can fully understand. The first meeting I had of what they call the G7, the seven leading economies in the world, democracies, I sat down. It was in February. It was in England. And I sat next to the President of France, across from the Chancellor from Germany, etc. And I said, America's back. You know what the response was? Not a joke. For how long? For how long? And I just sat there and looked. And I believe it was the Prime Minister of Italy who said, but I can't remember for certain which of the seven, six said it. And what would you think, Mr. President? If tomorrow you woke up and you have a headline in the press saying that in the British Parliament, a mob had come down the hall, broken down the doors of the House of Commons, police officers were killed or died. The place was vandalized in order to overthrow the election of the Speaker of the House a prime minister's election. Think about it. Think about it. What would we think if we heard that news today? Then you're the leading democracy in the world through this. So folks, these people and the people representing those who couldn't be here because they gave their lives for this, did is incredibly consequential. And that's not political talk, that's historical fact.
And let me close with this. 82 years ago on this very day in 1941, President Franklin Roosevelt delivered a State of the Union address that became known as his famous Four Freedom Speech as he defined America's place in the world. He reminded the American people of, quote, the strength from the things which have been done to make its people conscious of their individual stake in the preservation of democratic life in America. Things that have toughened the fiber of our people, renewed their faith, and strengthened the devotions of the institutions we make ready to protect. End of quote. Eighty years ago, after that speech on this day, two years ago, we were reminded about the most fundamental of things, democracy itself. As I've said before, we face an inflection point in our nation's history. On January 6th, as a reminder that there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy. Remember learning in undergraduate school, high school, that every generation is required to earn it, defend it, protect it. I was a senator for a long time. I was vice president, been president. I have to tell you, I began to think, looking back on it, that it was just permanent in the United States. It just was eternal. Nothing would happen. That's why I was so pleased to see Democrats and Republicans work together to pass the Electoral Count Reform Act that I just signed in law to protect the will of the people and the, past, the peaceful transfer of power. And defending and protecting our democracy also means that despite our differences of opinion, we must say clearly with the united voice that there's no place, none, zero, zero place in America for voter intimidation, zero, never, and political violence. They're completely contrary to the notion of democracy. You know, America is a land of laws and not chaos, a nation of peace and not violence. We're not a land of kings and dictators, autocrats and extremists. As we see in today's honorees, we're a nation of we the people that toughen our fiber, renew our faith and strengthen our cause. Just remember who in God's name we are. We're the United States of America, not a joke. We're the United States of America. And there's nothing, there is nothing, there has never been a single thing we've set our mind to that we've been failed to accomplish. There's nothing beyond our capacity if we act together. Remember who in God's name we are. So God bless you all and may God protect our troops and may God protect those who stand watch over our democracy. There you go. That was President Biden at the White House on Friday honoring those uh, who did and are doing exactly that, standing watch over our democracy. You know, as I listen to that uh, again just now, I'm sort of he he describes uh, January 6, 2021, noting that we all watched it and watched it. But I got to say, yeah, we did all watch it that day, but we did not see it. Mm. We did not see it. For that, it took the January 6th investigation, I think, and the courageous public testimony of many of those folks who are given awards today to really understand what happened and what it was all about. 
So it's it's taken some time to actually, I think, uh, to see it and to understand it. In any event, uh, there was the president honoring those who are standing watch over our democracy, which frankly is, or I think at least should be, absolutely every single one of us. Yes. One who has been doing so for years, of course, is our old friend Will Bunch of the Philadelphia Inquirer. He joins us next on, uh, well, to discuss all of the above in one way or another. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Yep, they're still working on that, aren't they? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Writing at the Philadelphia Inquirer this past week, our longtime friend and their longtime national columnist, Will Bunch, wrote in a column headlined on second anniversary of January 6th, Trump disciples succeed in shutting down the Capitol. He writes, at least on January 6, 2021, the insurrectionists on Capitol Hill had to push aside some flimsy metal barricades before they could carry out their assault on the seat of U.S. governance. Nearly two years later, the 20 or so GOP heirs to the toxic legacy of their patron saint, Donald Trump, didn't even have to pass through metal detectors. They were mysteriously removed outside the House chamber this week for some reason. They didn't even have to pass through those metal detectors to bring the U.S. House of Representatives to a longer and probably more damaging shutdown than Trump's failed coup. It's way too fitting, he writes, that in a moment of a historic leadership vacuum, no one even knows exactly who ordered this week's removal of the magnetometers meant to provide an added layer of security in the days after 2021's violent assault, which left scores of wounded cops and resulted in at least five deaths. For now, the only harm is symbolic. We don't yet have the technology to detect What has now paralyzed Washington in 2023? Toxic narcissism. In an alternate timeline bunch notes, the news in this foggy first week of the new year might be dominated by anniversary journalism about what we've learned since the shock of January 6, 2021. To prevent something like that from ever happening again, instead America is again transfixed by utter chaos echoing Across those exact same marble corridors of the U.S. Capitol, the only difference is that in this new national horror show, the calls are coming from inside the House. We can't move on, let alone learn from 2021's insurrection when that uprising, crippling our government in the name of celebrity fascism, never ended. Well, 
perhaps it's just as well. I'm not uh, particularly a fan of anniversary journalism. I don't much care for remembrance shows or memorial shows. But I got to tell you, in truth, at least to me, and clearly as Will Bunch details in his column this past week, January 6th, 2021 still feels very much to be ongoing in various ways, if only due to the lack of accountability for its ringleaders and its continuing echoes in Congress and the nation even today. With that in mind, I do think it's worth noting this grim anniversary once again this year. Well, I should note, once might have been a coincidence or a happy accident, twice a concerted decision. But as the Philly Inquirer's Will Bunch joins us again today for a third time to denote another January 6th anniversary, well, now it's becoming a bit of a tradition here on the broadcast, if still a somewhat grim one. But grimmer otherwise, it is always a delight when we're joined by Will, longtime national columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philadelphia Daily News, and author of several full-length books and Amazon Kindle single ebooks, including his latest, uh, I think, Resent You. How College Broke the American Dream and the Nation and How to Fix It. Oh, Mr. Bunch, welcome back for yet another January 6th show and for taking time out for us during another really, really slow news day, my friend. Yeah, it's becoming one of those weird annual traditions. Like uh, when I was a kid, they used to show The Wizard of Oz every <laughs> every spring, you know, or, yes. or it's like uh, some kind of Johnny Carson thing, like uh, yeah. the guy who threw the uh, hatchet or whatever, yeah. you know, that they show here. So, uh yeah, Will Bunch and January sixth is a it's a weird tradition, but uh, yeah. Um, and and uh, I will tell you that at least the Wizard of Oz is um, less fantastical and mysterious than what we are seeing uh, now. Uh, Will Bunch for uh, at least for the past couple of years in your column this week, you tie January sixth the original 2021 what has been going on over the past week in the u.s house as the 118th congress as of airtime is yet to even begin because republicans are still unable to do even the easy part choose a speaker of the house to swear everyone else in now you describe this current shutdown of congress uh, via this, you know, seemingly endless these votes for speaker as quote probably more damaging than Trump's failed coup. Uh, a strong thought. How so? Well, because I, I think we're going to feel the effects of it for the next couple of years in terms of just weak and paralyzed government. Uh, you know, if 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 Kevin McCarthy can't get the votes to elect himself speaker, mm-hmm. how is he going to get the votes on something? on anything, you know, and the one thing that people keep bringing up, and they should bring it up because it's kind of terrifying, is is, is the debt ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these same 7 to 20 or however many it is, ultimately uh, mm-hmm. hardcore Republicans are going to want to hold up the debt ceiling over something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, if Ukraine gets into more trouble and needs more help from us, they're going to be in a position to block that, and you know, whatever McCarthy thinks, you know, whatever leadership and sound minds mm-hmm. want to get done, this band of obstructionists is in control. And, and uh, you know, obstructionists isn't even the best word. I, w- I would call them nihilists. Mm-hmm. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, uh, they really believe in nothing other than, other than their own airtime and their own raising their profile and, and re- 
using it to raise money on the internet and mm-hmm. uh, to get on Fox, or in the case of Mar- and, um, excuse me, Lauren Boebert, uh, even to get on MSNBC for the first time, which was. I'm sure it was a feather in her cap. <laughs> well, um, I, 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 you made that astute observation uh, in the column. You said uh, today's insurrectionists, referring back to uh, those preventing the House from uh, getting to the people's business, are the spoiled children of Trumpism, stars of their own soiled reality shows lacking in a single idea beyond owning the lib and booking their next cable TV hit. Their pre-Congress resumes are larded not with public service, but with highlighting uh, shows like Shark Tank contestant or swimsuit model turned right-wing firebrand, creating brands as much as political careers. I've been trying to figure out over the past week, Will, uh, like many of us have, what this obstructionism in the House is really about, at least uh, you know, the last time these sorts of disputes over uh, speakers and so forth happened in Congress, they were over actual things like whether slavery should be allowed or not. I'm not sure what any of this is actually about now, other than, you know, some of these folks just want to destroy and smash things, claim a scalp. Uh, but, you know, to what end? Is this simply to help help them be famous, to help their careers? Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in a nutshell, I would say yes. I mean, think think about conservative issues that that you you and I and most of the listeners of the show probably don't agree with. But like, well, we want we want a more forceful policy on ending abortion nationwide, mm-hmm. or you know, we want to you know we want to uh, shut down any schools that teach critical race theory, or which is which is craziness. But uh, you know, or we just want to dramatically cut spending on welfare programs or or whatever there's no issue like that there's no like you said yeah i mean the big speaker fights and the big breakdown in congress was really in those in that 20-year run-up before the civil war about about ending slavery Mm -hmm. and you know that that, that's a big issue but here you know like i said these, these these politicians they they all come from this kind of reality show personal branding uh mm-hmm. you know this um for example i, I didn't go i didn't go deep in this in the column and I, i'm kind of learning more about her because she's new but one of the one of the republican freshmen this woman luna mm-hmm. from uh, from florida was you know was a swimsuit model and that's fine i mean you know there's nothing wrong with swimsuit models running for office but um she she used her celebrity that she had from that um she was like a hardcore barack obama supporter and Before, then I think yeah. she stuck her finger up to the wind and saw that there was more opportunity to promote herself as the, to reinvent herself as a MAGA mm-hmm. suit model turned turned congresswoman and and that's what she did and and that that that's the caliber of person person we have here and yeah. so you know if um, they just towed the party line as congressional members have done for decades and just went along and all right maybe McCarthy wasn't my top choice, but the caucus picked him to be the leader, and I'm going to go along with it, um, then that would be it. And instead, Matt Gates and, and, and Lauren Boebert are guests for cable TV every night. Yeah. They're on, people are chasing them across the house floor to get comments, and, and uh, 
and they love it. And, you that, know? and that does seem what it's really about, and that does seem, because I've been thinking about this, uh, reading your piece, and I've sort of been pondering this notion for a while, that, you know, that, that a lot of this seems to be about branding, about making the, these folks... Right. This is how they become YouTube stars, you know, by uh, running for Congress now. And it's somewhat ironic because, you know, Republicans, well, they used to love to claim that Hollywood is is terrible and, you know, and they used to beat up on actors for having any political opinions and so forth. When Donald Trump came down his uh, golden escalator, however, on June 16, 2015, our guest that day was Heather Digby Parton. She pointed out that day. As everyone was laughing about the idea of Trump ever becoming president, um, that you know they also laughed about Ronald Reagan. But like Trump, he was someone that America had come to know via their televisions. They had you know come into their living rooms, and uh, she warned at the time that that could result in Donald Trump's election. Of course, she was right. Um, you know, so, but as much as they claim to dismiss these Hollywood stars, Republicans seem to love these Hollywood stars, and arguably are now sort of building their own industry of no longer Hollywood stars necessarily, but media stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Trump. I, I mean, I mean, he just did a good job there. I think you know tracing it back to Reagan. But you know, Reagan was somebody who at least had ideas. Again, ideas that we disagree with. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he had a very solid ideology, and and uh, he had a conservative philosophy. He was pretty pretty well read, actually, and and whatever. And of course, he used his acting talents mm-hmm. to, to further himself and advance his ideas. Mm-hmm. But. Um, you know, the next step was people who were just actors who didn't didn't have ideas behind them, mm-hmm. and, and 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 I think that's what we're seeing. You know, in writing that column and in trying to trying to draw some of the straight lines between. I mean, you know, the irony of this going on during the January sixth uh, anniversary. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I'm not a huge fan of anniversary journalism mm-hmm. either. I think a lot of it is pretty pretty insipid, and it's like. Oh, remember what it was like when this happened, and like right. in this case, it's like no, it's it's still happening. But, right. But 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 one of but one of the parallels I wanted to draw was what was January sixth about? Um, again, you know, we have to remember Trump ran for president with absolutely no agenda or plan for what he would do if he had another four years in power as president. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent where. He even, you know, they even had the RNC not draft a platform because right. they didn't want to be connected to any ideas. Mm-hmm. Had, their only idea was four more years of Trump. You know, keep Trump in office, and you know, I, I guess in doing so, keep him out of jail, right? And mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> keep, keep, keep him with the immunity of the presidency for for another four years, and 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 the, and the profit making potential of the presidency and all that for another four years. You know, and um, um, you know, I, th- I think some of the most powerful evidence that was developed by the January 6th commission was, uh, committee was um, uh, the fact that testimony that Trump knew that he lost, and, you know, he told Mark Meadows and his aides, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I lost this guy, Joe Biden. Like, how do we fix, how do we fix the embarrassment? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was personal. It was ego. Mm-hmm. It was, you know. Um, uh, and, and they, it was, yeah. and, and, and they fixed it. 
<laughs> with uh, an attack on the Capitol, essentially, that they still have not been held accountable for. You know, it's hard to notice that the guy lost the election if, you know, the uh, the the people, as they, you know, characterize them, are attacking the Capitol because they're so upset about this terrible crime that they completely made up from scratch. And, Will, I, I picked up something from your column that I'm not sure I had properly wrapped my brain around over the last two January sixes uh, during which we spoke, and I actually yeah. I apologize for this. But you know uh, this week that there has been zero accountability for the quote 139 House members and eight senators who voted without evidence to disqualify my 2020 vote cast in Pennsylvania and the votes of millions of others on January 6, 2021, even before the blood has been wiped off the uh, Capitol marble. So there was and is it was, in fact, uh, Pennsylvania, one of the states that they were gunning for. It seems like there was and is a very personal element for you in this that I sensed here. Uh, they, they wanted to disqualify to actually steal your specific vote will bunch and hand it to your favorite guy donald trump on that day yeah ab- absolutely i mean it, it is personal i mean you know hundreds of people you know or probably hundreds but at least dozens of people you know in the south died you know fighting for the right to vote and to have their vote counted mm-hmm. and i mean it, it really is it, you know if, if you want america to succeed as a democracy, it really is a sacred right. And, you know, the idea that I was part of this group of people that gave Joe Biden a, uh, I forget, 60 or 70,000 vote majority mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania to make sure that he got our state's electoral vote. And, you know, these, these yahoos just wanted to throw it out in a, in a totally authoritarian, anti-democratic fashion. I mean, it's, it's infuriating. And the fact that they could just cast a vote like that and not face any consequences. I mean, theoretically, there's going be consequences, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's against the 14th Amendment to, uh, mm-hmm. the 14th Amendment states that you can't hold office if you participated in an insurrection against the United States. Mm-hmm. And to varying degrees, there are members of this Congress who took part in an insurrection against mm-hmm. the United States. Some of them, you could, you know, you, you know, their vote. Okay, you could argue about that, I guess. But others like Scott Perry, who again from Pennsylvania, who is uh, out there nominating people to challenge McCarthy, and is, you know, uh, yeah. until he flipped on Friday, was a was a leader of that faction, um, was actively involved in the coup plotting, yeah. uh, as, as were as as were to different degrees some of the other congressmen. You know, Jim Jordan was on the phone constantly and that's who they're putting up there you know i mean even even kevin mccarthy voted to disqualify those votes in pennsylvania and i i, I believe georgia was the other state um mm-hmm. mccarthy all of them mccarthy stefanik um steve scalise everybody everybody in this leadership group mm-hmm. uh voted that voted to throw out people's votes in the 2020 election yeah um that um Back that up. Fourteen out of the fifteen <laughs> of the twenty people who voted against McCarthy, right? Fifteen of them were incumbents on that day, yep. and fourteen out of the fifteen were vote disqualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the five the five freshmen who were voting against McCarthy all all ran as like Trumpified 
uh, election denier. There has uh, been there has been no accountability. You you write as the American legal system slowly and methodically works through the foot soldiers of the January six assault. Trump and his high level co-conspirators still have yet to experience any meaningful consequences and i i, I should note I, I shouldn't say there's been no accountability there actually has been uh yeah. you know more than a thousand people have been uh charged or about a thousand people at this point have been charged for uh actually carrying out the attack but it was you know just a week or two ago now that congress finally referred donald trump to the uh, department of justice for four crimes including the crime of insurrection how, how do you feel about the time that it has taken for there to be accountability for the ringleaders like Trump, like Mark Meadows, uh, you know, Michael Flynn, Steve Bannon, Alex Jones, etc.? They have yet to face any accountability for this. Do you have confidence that the appointment of special counsel Jack Smith may finally result in some of that long overdue accountability? And are you comfortable with the time that it has uh, that it has taken. I go back and forth. I think, you know, I, well, I, you got to get it right. Like, if it takes time, yeah. so be it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think things are moving in the right direction. Um, do I have total confidence that it's going to work out? No, no, I don't have total confidence. And should it have taken this long? I mean, no, it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence that people over at the Justice Department didn't get the kick in the rear end they needed till really until the January 6th committee mm-hmm. hearings when they started putting some of the evidence out there and, and making new connections, you know, like some of the Cassie Hutchinson stuff, for example, that the prosecutors just seem to be unaware of, mm. you know, a year and a half after this happened. You know, I mean, I don't know if I would have gone this far, but I mean that you can compare what happened here to, to what just happened in, in Chile where they had a, a coup attempt and um, the president who tried to suspend Congress there was arrested that afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, I'm not saying maybe Trump should have been arrested that afternoon, but is it is it against the law to overthrow the government or not? You well. know, I mean, it seems like it is. Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting, in fact, and, and uh, I, I kind of wish I'd seen this before I'd written my column, but um, some, someone tweeted um, uh, this morning the, uh, the January 7th, Mm-hmm. 2021 front page of the New York Times, and the, you know their headline in in, in the big 72 point letters was Trump incites mob, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and right that's what happened, right. you know. Um, well, it, had it been had it been you or I who had tried to overthrow the government, yes, it would be illegal. Yes, we would have been arrested. When a president does it, I believe it's still illegal, but. It's never been done before, so it seems to me that if you are going to hold a president of the United States accountable for that, you damn well better have all your ducks in order before you do. Whether it takes two years or not, I don't know, but even you and I will on that first day. It was unclear what was actually going on. I've learned a lot in just these past few months that I didn't know from the January 6th committee. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, the role of some of these groups like the Proud Boys mm-hmm. and the OT, yeah. you know, involved in, in, in some of the connections. But, um, I mean, the January 6th committee didn't start right away. You know, they mm-hmm. took them a while to get set up. Yep. Certainly, it seems like within a year or so, the prosecutors could have maybe unraveled this. I, I know I'm not a prosecutor. I, I don't know. But, you know, like you said, I mean, 
it's kind of fascinating that you know I mean they've they've done a great job with um, I hate to say it the, the, the little fish the little guy mm-hmm. who took you know who who listened to Trump right mm-hmm. and came down and got on the bus and I mean some you know some of them some of them were plotters like the Proud Boys but other people just got carried away in the moment not, not excusing the bad things that they did mm-hmm. but and these people have been convicted and uh, and yet the masterminds and I, you know. Not just Trump, but you know, what about Rudy Giuliani and Eastman? And, right. You know, I mean, I mean, what about Michael Flynn and yeah. Rock? They seem to be up to this in, in their eyeballs, and and uh, you know, we we know are bad guys who've been convicted of crimes before Trump pardoned them previously, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and um, none of those people have been charged, and it's it's just so much like the American justice system that it's so good at going after everyday people. <sighs> yeah. And it's so bad going after anybody with any whiff of like power or connections yep. or authority. Yep. And uh, I mean, we see this we see this all the time. On you know, we saw this with the financial crisis when when nobody was charged. And and yep. uh, you know, it just seems a little bit more stark. I think when we're seeing it on something like this. Yeah, and 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 I think underscoring your article on this is that you know without the accountability, it's going to continue. It's going to get worse. And as a matter of fact, I went back to uh, uh, let's see on January sixth, twenty twenty one, as I was introducing you that day, and as the mm-hmm. uh, Congress had been you know shut down by that point, and the the insurrection was underway. I wrote the chaos in the nation's capital on Wednesday is hardly the only sign of the ongoing degradation of American democracy being led by, I'm sad to say, the President of the United States himself and, as troubling or even more so, a huge swath of the Republican Party itself. But as I noted at the time, Quote, that chaos did not begin in D.C., not by a long shot, as witnessed by what happened on Tuesday as the new session of the Pennsylvania State Senate got underway. And that's why we were actually having you on that week, uh, uh, (laughs) Will. Uh, And I played a clip of Pennsylvania's then lieutenant governor. John Fetterman, you may have heard of him, presiding over the uh, over the state Senate there, actually being removed as the presiding officer by Republicans who had first refused to seat a Democrat and thereby prevented, uh, you know, Fetterman from taking his presiding role somehow in their own pre January 6th insurrection. I think it was like the day before. So I'm reminded that, you know, this GOP uprising thing has been going on for a long time in this country even before January uh, 6 of 2021 I would date this sort of insurrectionism back to at least 2000 myself the year 2000 uh, you yeah. sort of cite Newt Gingrich in the uh, 1980s his takeover as a backbencher who figured out how to play to the c-span cameras but it seems like until and unless there's actual accountability for any of this this is just going to get worse and worse each and every year and each and every January 6th, we have you back on the show to talk about it, Will. I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, you see the common threads, and one of them, I think you just nailed one of them, which is minority rule, you know, that they believe, you know, they believe they have some kind of divine right, you know, and, and it's really, it's been discussed a lot in recent years. I mean, it's really linked to these hierarchies of, of American life, you know, white, white, supremacy or white privilege mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, and, and, and the patriarchy and, and other things. Running for office is, is the 
protectors of that, you know, not not that you're going to do anything affirmatively to help people. You're just going to stop these people you you see as destroyers, the destroyers of your way of life, of your culture. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who gets the most votes uh, because the culture is more important than democracy, right? And you know, so I think I think that motivates these people. And, um, and you know, and, and and I think what Trump did was, uh, as we talked about, you know, he he made it a world where you could build your brand, like we were saying, you know, yep. ego, celebrity, off of being, of defending the culture, right? And until, um, until that price uh, is more expensive, you know, until they lose more than what they gain from doing this, from being these insurrectionists, from shutting down Congress, uh, Congresses, I think it's only going to get worse. Will Bunch, you end your column this week saying, quote, I'm getting too numb from the last eight years to remember if it was Groucho or Karl Marx who said that history begins as a tragedy and repeats as farce. Over these two years, we've watched the violent tragedy of one January morph into this January's farce. Yet it's the current farce that has brought the nation to a standstill and elevated the power of the extreme right. Until there is actual accountability for what really happened on January 6, 2021, America's calendar will remain stuck on that date, which will live in infamy. Uh, as usual, right on the money, Mr. Bunch. I will link folks over to your uh, latest column and advise them to sign up for your newsletter, which they can do at inquirer.com slash bunch. You can also, I think, find him still on the Twitters. Are you still on Twitter or have you bailed out yet, Will? Uh, you know, I mean, in fact, I, I think this whole uh, speaker drama has been bringing people back to Twitter. It's kind of weird, but and, and Elon Musk has been less noticeably offensive the last week or, or so except so, that he uh, except that he just let michael flynn back on twitter i've come to understand today that's, that's cool. so, and just, i know it's horrible but yeah no I, i'm still there and uh, uh but by the way uh, when my book came out and we, the title got changed a little bit it's now it's called after the ivory tower falls so ah. if people want to check out check out my book that's that's where after um, the ivory tower falls thank you sir and i will try to uh, link to that to make up for uh, having mispronounced it at first there you go so i got something right uh i gotta yeah. update these bio notes every now and again uh you can find will by the way on twitter he is will underscore bunch hey man i gotta jump out thank you brother always great hopefully we'll talk to you before next year's january 6th my friend yeah, or, or maybe next year we'll be talking about, you know, movies and, and the, the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, there you something. go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Uh, we'll stay optimistic. Thanks, Will. All right, Brad. Take care. You know, I, I, I think I have a, a feeling we won't be talking about movies and the Super Bowl. <laughs> Because we never talk Next about year movies on J- Well, that's right, but uh, I don't think uh, it's just uh, this thing is going to keep going until there is accountability, and even once accountability is eventually brought, and I think it will be from the Department of Justice. Yeah, uh, that itself is going to be a long and ugly fight. So yeah. this is going to go on for a while.
I don't think we're going to be able to escape any of it. I mean, as some of our previous guests have said, like uh, Tom Periello, yeah. who has studied insurgencies mm. and, and coups around the world, he says, you know, usually the failed coup is followed by a successful coup. So mm. it's not like these people are going to go away. They are still there. The insurrectionists themselves, as Will noted, are in the House right now. They are still attacking the functioning of government when they try to prevent the House from moving forward until they're able to to extract their concessions from the House, you know, from, I guess, eventual House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, and they're still going to try to keep, you know, monkey-wrenching the government to get what they want. At least until, as Jamal Bowman said at the top of the show, uh, we vote their butts out of office. And, I, you know, watching what has gone on over the past week, uh, you got to wonder, is American, are Americans realizing boy, that was a mistake, giving these guys that kind of control. And that's a scary thing. I don't know that very many of the Republicans who are currently in Congress actually consider it to be that much of a mistake mm-hmm. because these insurrectionists um, you know they've made very clear that they plan on holding the uh, debt ceiling hostage so that they can extract yep. cuts to Social Security and mm-hmm. Medicare stuff that they would never ever be able to pass on their own but they're going to try to force everybody with you know the, the threat of tanking the world economy in order to get stuff that they could never get and uh, try to get Democrats to do it for them. And that debt ceiling runs out. In theory, the uh, we run out of money sometime next fall or this, this coming fall, I guess. Yes. Uh, September-ish. So, yeah, if they decide to tank the uh, U.S. and global economy with that, well, we could be talking to uh, Will Bunch about that. On January 6th <laughs> yeah. of 2024. Who knows? All right, we it's, got it. Basically, yeah. it's just going to be a really bumpy, bumpy ride coming up in the next two years, so everybody buckle up. As opposed to the last two years. <laughs> Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks again to my guest today, Will Bunch of the Philly Inquirer, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, You can always download any of it for free. All of our programs are available at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there. Why? Because at least some of you have been kind enough to stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out and uh, uh, to help us stay on your public airwaves. Uh, You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Mastodons, you will find me at simply... The Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate.